Thank you for downloading the Plod podcast, Police Law On Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. In our podcast series, we are going to discuss a range of topics affecting police officers and anyone involved in the criminal justice system. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com. Last year in 2020, the European Court of Human Rights considered the case of Y and Bulgaria, which set out uh, minimum requirements for criminal investigations where a person has been subjected to ill treatment contrary to Article 3. These principles are derived from cases involving breaches of Article 2, the right to life. I'm Daniel Burke from 3D Solicitors, and with me to discuss these principles and what they mean for investigating police officers is Aaron Rathmel, a barrister at Sergeants in Chambers. Hi, Aaron. Thanks for joining us again. Hi, thanks for having me. Aaron, in this case, the court found a breach of Article 3 in respect of the authority's failure to pursue an obvious line of inquiry in a rape investigation, and they awarded a payment in compensation. The investigation was found to have failed to comply with the minimum requirements of Article 3. What happened in this case and why was the investigation by the Bulgarian police entirely unsatisfactory? Uh, In this case, there was um, a rape of a lady in 2013. So these European cases take a little while to reach um, final judgment because they go through all the domestic procedures and then there's some time in the European court. So it was a 2013 rape by a man who appears to have been a stranger to the lady. Um, She uh, contacted the police rather quickly. She underwent medical examination. There was an identification parade. Um, There was also a psychological report of the victim, and it was considered that she would not be able to give reliable evidence. Um, Perhaps the key fact for present purposes is that there was the medical examination very soon after the attack, but the DNA report uh, was not ready for some five months afterwards. And that DNA report led to a positive identification of um, one man who we'll call Mr. Z, whereas the victim had identified another man uh, who who we'll call Mr. X as being um, the culprit. It was then many more months before Mr. Z, the DNA match, was located and he was interviewed. He denied it, but there was no real challenge to his account and uh, and the investigators didn't really bottom out that positive DNA match and its significance. Um, There were then some further difficulties in the investigation, a reviewing court domestically, Um, required investigators to go through a few further steps, but eventually the investigation ended in a stay or or a stalemate. This eventually reached the European Court of Human Rights. So let's look at what the court concerned itself with and and also what aspects of this case it wasn't prepared to concern itself with. The investigations into breaches of Article 3 in humane and degrading treatment, including things like rapes and serious sexual attacks, and also investigations into um, Article 2, um, uh, right to life, um, alleged breaches. Um, They have to be effective investigations, but that's an obligation of means, 
not results. So the fact that um, in this um, Y case, there was in um, the case we're talking about today, Y in Bulgaria, there was no identification of a perpetrator and no conviction of, of the perpetrator, that in itself does not lead to a breach because sometimes that happens in investigations. But the court will focus on steps in the investigation and whether it was an adequate and appropriately thorough investigations. The court's more concerned with um, significant and obvious omissions, not everyday decisions in the investigation. And there were, there were serious delays in this case, though, Aaron. I mean, the, the incident was in 2013. And as you said, the decision to defend the investigation wasn't until five years later. I mean, did, did the court have anything to say about the length of time taken by the investigators? Yes, yes, it did. It, um, really, it was too long. And the fact in particular that the DNA results weren't available for so long, five months, um, when the, uh, the rape had been investigated quickly, uh, the rape had been reported rather quickly. Um, the delay in obtaining the DNA results was rather significant. And the court made clear that it's not concerned with isolated errors or isolated emissions and delays, and it will take into account the practical reality of investigation work. Sometimes there will be delays, but in this case there had been manifest failures and serious delays, and that's what the court focused on. And what did the court identify as having gone wrong in the investigation? In particular, um, the court identified that the investigators had not bottomed out the significance of the positive DNA match to the Mr Z, whether there was an alternative explanation for the discovery of his DNA on the person of the applicant, uh, on the person of the applicant, the victim in particular, in her underwear, um, and the authorities had not explained to the victim the significance of her participating in further steps to help identify Mr Z. Um, for instance, identification parades. Uh, obviously, when you get something as significant as a positive DNA match to someone in a police database already the investigators really have to bottom out that investigatory lead because it's a big one and test, for instance, the person's denial and whether there's any other explanations for how um, his DNA came to be located uh, on the victim and, and so on. So that was the key focus of, of the court. Very significant investigatory lead in a very significant case, a rape, which was just not bottomed out by investigators. So, although, I mean, the, the investigation was satisfactory in several other respects, it had failed to pursue an obvious line of inquiry. Was that the reason the court held there'd been a breach of Article 3 and awarded damages? Essentially, yes. Um, th this wasn't a case where investigators had done nothing. It wasn't a case where the investigators had it all easy. They had a rather complex complainant as sometimes um, happens, that they had to deal with, who was willing to participate in some steps in the investigation, but not others. But that's the reality of investigation work sometimes. Uh, and in this case, there was the very significant and obvious lead of the positive DNA uh, test, which was um, never resolved satisfactorily. So that was said to be um, an obvious 
error that the investigators had manifestly failed to take into account something significant. So even though it was, it might be considered an operational error in the sense that it wasn't a question of policy or or training, it, it wasn't a mere error in the investigation. It was something really obvious and significant. Yes, and I think that there have been indications that she had been, you know, difficult to deal with. Putting it out, I think she she didn't want to engage in the uh, uh, identification um, parade. But as you say, you know, sort of difficult people is part of the course in for, for police work. What considerations did the court set out for assessment of whether an investigation meets the requirements of adequacy and thoroughness? In paragraph 82 of the court's judgment, they helpfully brought together and authoritatively summarised some different strands in its um, investigation case law, investigative duty case law, leaning heavily on the case law from Article 2, right to life investigative duties, and effectively applying that to Article 3 cases. So firstly, um, something I mentioned a little bit earlier, the duty to investigate is one of means, not ends. In the absence of tangible omissions, the fact that investigators can't ultimately identify the perpetrator does not mean there has been a breach. Sometimes that happens. Sometimes that's the reality of even good investigatory work. So means, not ends, is the focus of the court. Um, Secondly, the court's not concerned with alleged errors and isolated omissions to a certain extent. The court's role is not to decide on the criminal liability of the alleged perpetrator, but national investigators must have made a serious attempt to elucidate the facts, to investigate bottom out, obviously significant intelligence leads, and not wrap up their investigation on the basis of hasty or ill-founded conclusions. A third um, consideration is that the thoroughness of investigations must be judged in light of the practicalities of investigation work. So um, that's a little bit of a a consideration in favour of police officers who might be busy, who might face difficult circumstances, who might have ambiguous evidence to determine and to consider, and the court will uh, pay some heed to those difficulties. Nor will the court impose a sort of arbitrary checklist of factors that have to be done in investigation, steps that have to be taken and the court will acknowledge that each case turns on um, its own facts. Another factor which might be thought to be in favour of investigators, um, realising the difficulties that they sometimes face, the court won't uh, interfere with lines of inquiries pursued by the national investigators unless the investigators have manifestly failed to take into account clearly relevant elements, or the investigation is arbitrary, um, or for instance, discriminatory. And so it comes back to this, a failure to pursue an obvious line of inquiry can decisively undermine the effectiveness of an investigation. So you see there the court uh, imposes a, a relatively high standard, serious crimes that engage Article 3, inhumane and degrade 
degrading treatment, they have to be investigated. There has to be respect for the rule of law. National authorities have to send the message um, that people won't get away with serious crimes that reach the high threshold of Article 3. But the court will also consider the practical realities of investigation work and not interfere lightly. Yes, I think, uh, as you said, it's it, it means, not ends. And, and you, you um, mentioned these are very similar to the principles that were derived from the number of cases concerning the, the right to life Article 2 cases. Uh, and they, they've sort of followed that line, which seems sensible, really. Yeah, it's really the same um, uh, sort of investigatory duty regarding something very high stakes, um, the right to life or real threats to the right to life and inhumane and degrading treatment. The national authorities have a, a duty to protect those rights and to investigate serious crimes that engage those rights if they weren't to be investigated. That's about respect for the, for the convention rights and the rule of law. On my reading of the case, there appeared to be no real consideration as to whether these failures were systemic or operational. How does this tie in with serious failures that are purely operational under UK law? Well, firstly, we should make the distinction, as you have, between what's an operational failing and what's a um, systemic or structural failing. Um, The latter, systemic failings, are really to do with training, resources, things like procedures for review and supervision of investigations. They're structural things that are put in place before a crime happens that that are supposed to set and train good investigations. Whereas operational decisions in the jurisprudence are considered to be decisions taken by investigators and their supervisors within the investigatory framework. um, To take the example that was considered in the Y in Bulgaria case in 2020 that we're talking about, an operational failing is, um, for instance, not getting a DNA test or not getting it in time or not interpreting it correctly. So there might be structures in place for those sorts of decisions to be taken well, but operationally in the particular case, um, they're not taken well. That's an operational failing. And we know from the DSD case, um, DSD and and the Metropolitan Police domestically that went to the the UK Supreme Court, the court was chary of imposing liability for everyday operational decisions So they set a very high threshold, really serious or egregious failures in investigations. It's only for such failures that the court would impose liability under the Article 3 investigatory duty. Arguably, the Strasbourg court in Wine, Bulgaria, was less clear about that. They didn't make that distinction so clearly and set a very high threshold for operational failings. But um, that's not necessarily a a conflict in the result because the error, the operational error that the Strasbourg Court was dealing with in the Y case was a really big one. Um, When you get a positive DNA match from a rape victim to someone who's already in uh, police um, databases, it's really a gaping big hole in an investigation to not bottom out that um, positive DNA match and seek 
um, evidence that's related to it. So not necessarily a, a, a wrong outcome had the case been decided in the UK, but it might have been helpful for the Strasbourg court to be a little more clear about when they'll get involved, when they'll find liability for a breach of Article 3 in a purely operational case. Thank you. And, and if any of our, our listeners are interested, actually, Aaron, you did our very first episode in our first series of plot uh, on the DSD case and serious failings in criminal investigations. Uh, so, Aaron, thank you very much. That was uh, enormously helpful. And in a sort of follow on uh, case, you're going to be joining us next week. So uh, we look forward to seeing you then. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thank you for downloading the Plod Podcast, Police Law on Demand, brought to you by 3D solicitors and barristers from Sergeants in Chambers. For more updates on police law, follow the Sergeants in Police Law blog at ukpolicelawblog.com. If you have any suggestions for any topics that you would like us to cover, please email plod at 3d-solicitors.com.